Hi, I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Debbie. How's everything? I've missed you. It's only been like a week. You've only been gone a week. I'm super excited about today's special guest interview because I think we've all had the experience where you meet a friend's, you know, titled BFF. And you think to yourself one of two things, either, you know what, not for me, or I am stealing this person and making them my BFF. So your friend, Jackie Brown, is that person for me. Well, you've just left her because um, you've met her and spent quite a bit of time with her in Tuscany with me when we were doing some retreats. And um, that was the last one was not that long ago, over a week ago. So Jackie and I met uh, decades, and when I say decades, I mean decades ago, uh, in a bar in Tokyo. We were there, I know it's hard to believe, but we were there modeling and um, we hit it off straight away. We became best friends. I was um, chief bridesmaid at her wedding, which was probably the most awesome wedding I've ever been to with people like George Michael there. Um, it was really cool. Um, now, Jackie and I started running the retreats together in 2009 because I had the idea. I flew to London where she lives and I said, oh, I'm so tired of doing television shows. Would you like to do retreats with me? And she says, I'm so tired of my job. She was working for a building company. Yes, I would. And that was it. Um, we rented a property, uh, cleaned it up. We scrubbed the place and, uh, and started the retreats. And she's been doing with them with me ever since, never missed one. And um, over those years, uh, she became fascinated by health and nutrition. So she went back to school. And the interesting thing was, she was one of the oldest in the class, an amazing school in the middle of London. Um, and she was one of the few to graduate. And I'm very proud of her. Talk about next chapter. Yeah, exactly. But what is so great about what she does is she's not selling anything. She's not promoting a book of, you know, of, of a particular type of diet. Um, and she really sorts out that noise, the nutritional noise that's in the newspaper every single day. We should do this. We should do this. This is bad for you. No, it's not bad for you. And the women at the retreats love her. And one man in particular. And one man. <laughs> over here. Right over here. And and so when we did the book, Joy, which is Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa, so people can bring this back, Jackie became the science behind it. So Basically, I don't have any qualifications to tell people why a particular food is good for you or not good for you, um, but she does. So she's in these kind of turquoise boxes of Jackie Says. So I'll ramble on about, I don't know, zucchini, and then she'll tell you what's in zucchini. If you can make me understand, then we can really make sense of it and, and help the readers to understand a very, very complicated thing that affects us every day. So let's welcome my good friend, Jackie Brown. Hi, Debbie. Hi, and hi, Tommy. Hi, Jackie. Long time no see. Long time no see. <laughs> I know. I've missed <laughs> we, you. Yeah, missed you so much. So, Jackie, we're going to jump right into this because we started many years ago at our retreats in Italy um, having a kind of a, a wellness evening, um, like an aperitivo, where people could ask questions. And of course, you've got lots of women, a lot, mostly in midlife, who, um, of course, nobody says anything for the first five minutes. And then suddenly all the hands, once one brave soul asks a question, everybody, and I can't even get them in for dinner because 
there are so many questions out there because we've been on every diet every Monday morning. You know, we start the same old thing. Shall I be vegan? Shall I be vegetarian? We're going to start on Monday. Yeah, always starting on Monday. So we began a wellness retreat once a year as well. And of course, the minute we put that up, it's kind of sold out. So we've put on our Instagram, our new Instagram, the Trust Me Pod, for anybody to record uh, questions. So here's the first question. And it's actually, this is a very common one, Jackie. Hi, my name is Linda. My question is, what are some of the foods that may help you sleep better? What can you do to aid sleep? And I want you to add in there because I have a question because I've got a puppy and I haven't slept for a week now. Um, (laughs) If you nap, if I'm frightened of taking a nap, he naps all day, of course. If you nap, does that kind of stop you falling asleep at night? But anyway, what, what, tell us about sleep because we all need to know. (laughs) I think it can interfere with your nighttime sleep, especially if it goes over 20 minutes. Um, uh, they say to set your alarm for 20 minutes, but sometimes it takes you 20 minutes just to fall asleep. And then you know, it wakes you up as you're just dozing off to sleep. However, achieving good sleep is vital because it's when we, we replenish, our brains are cleaned out. We want really deep, uh, optimal sleep. And to achieve that isn't easy, but I think it's a quest that everyone is on. I, I certainly am. And there are little tricks you can do. Um, They call it sleep hygiene. So you need to have a list of things that really help you get to sleep. Oh, that's good. Sleep hygiene. I haven't heard that. They call it sleep hygiene. So it's kind of cleaning out and getting a really good list of things that help and support you get good sleep. Where do we start with this? You know, it's kind of easier said than done. So I always sort of base it on me because I kind of like to research and try everything on myself before I tell other people to do it. I think the basis, obviously, of every, you know, optimal health wellness warrior is good nutrition. And with that, it helps uh, give you the foundations for making, so magnesium is very important for sleep. So having a diet that's full of magnesium, so green leafy vegetables, very important. Uh, Tart cherries are an amazing food that are are full of melatonin, natural melatonin, and that's your sleep trigger hormone. Jackie, should you take cherries before you go to bed kind of thing or? I don't think it's so much as taking them just before you go to bed. Maybe sometime in the evening, you could have them earlier on in the evening. And it's not so much just having a you know, bowl of cherries, like the bowl of cherries kind of thing, but it is incorporating them into your diet a few times a week. So you're topping up your levels all the time by foods that really are going to support your, your nervous system and your, and your sleep hormones. So tryptophan, serotonin, all these things build. It's all like little bits of a puzzle that join together. So just going all is it just tart cherries that I need? It's not so much. You know, you need that. Turkey is full of tryptophan and that's an amino acid that helps with sleep. Um, As I mentioned, magnesium. B6 is a very good vitamin that's needed. So it's a combination of vitamins and minerals. And that's all built by a diet that is, you know, it's like eating the rainbow, eating variety, getting as many foods into your diet as possible. And not just sticking to the same fuel thing. So while tart cherries are super helpful, it's just part of that big jigsaw puzzle. I mean, they're great for all sorts of things, cherries, because they've got lots of lovely um, plant pigments in them and plant um, chemicals. So cherries, tart cherries are really useful to add to your diet, if you can get them. You got a question for me? So Jackie, getting back to where 
and how we get this into our bodies. Mm-hmm. Are you an advocate for, you know, smoothie making? I mean, you know, if you're already making a smoothie, you could probably throw some frozen organic cherries into that smoothie to get that nutrient and that thing into your daily diet. Is that a good way to do it? I think in small amounts. I'm not a big fan of making these massive smoothies when people are putting in like, oh, you know, a cup of yogurt and then, you know, two handfuls of nuts. I think in small amounts, maybe definitely at nighttime, you could make a yogurt a yogurty smoothie with some tart cherries in, but it's a very good point. Frozen berries are just as good, you know, and it's, um, and also sometimes depending on the time of the year, tart cherries can be expensive. So if you can get them from your freezer section, that's a very, very good point. Uh, there are a few companies that make a tart cherry juice that you could try as well. Um, just, you'll probably find it in your local health food shop. What's a tart cherry compared to a normal cherry? I mean, obviously it's tart, but... I mean, it, a tart cherry kind of gets around town, just passed around a bit. I've been called a tart, <laughs> I've never been called a tart cherry. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to a regular eating cherry that you just eat straight away. So a tart cherry sometimes goes into pies and you need to add a lot of sugar to it. Whereas a normal eating cherry from the tree is very, very sweet. All cherries are good, but the tart cherry has some, has a little extra melatonin. So what about things like myths? So do you remember, you know, your mum used to say, uh, um, don't eat cheese before bed. It was that, it was a yeah. point to that. Well, I think, I think eating anything too close to lying down isn't very good because of your digestive system. So you don't eat just before you go to bed. And I think we used to be told, oh, you're going to have really wild dreams. Well, that would be fine, of course. But um, we don't, you know, if you eat cheese before bed, did your mum ever say that to you? Or it's going to make you dream mm. all night. Um, possibly. But they say, you know, you know, it's thoughts that sort of yogurty, milky drinks, because milk has also contains tryptophan may be beneficial but again for one person it might not be great for, for everybody so you have to sometimes it's trial and error with these these uh, these things and what about um, things like vitamins i know you personally because uh, i have to say i have slept with jackie brown many many times in hotels <laughs> around the world sharing rooms when we're traveling <laughs> no, but yeah, we have yeah. when we've traveled together we shared a room when we were house hunting here we used to go and yeah <laughs> and we were sleeping with jackie's like you know you're both getting to bed and she's like she's got the face mask on she's got the earplugs in she's got <laughs> it's yeah. like oh my god yeah i absolutely believe in and I think we, we definitely wrote it in the, about it in the book, is getting your, where you're sleeping as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, invest in some good pillows, beautiful sheets. And I know you and Tommy will have lots of great ideas about that. So and making your room this peaceful sanctuary where you, you feel restful. I think that should involve kicking out your partner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Patrick and I don't sleep in the same room and never have. And you know, Hans and I, I've kicked him out for 30 years. And, you know, he just, <laughs> we, we go through the ritual of like, okay, we mm. sleep with me tonight. And then it's, it's every yeah. night for all the time we've been together. Yeah. Even I think when we were dating and there was a lot more action then, you know, it was like, <laughs> No, okay, no, no, now, no, no. <laughs> Jackie's blocking her ears. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, well, in design, you know, Tommy, I mean, the number one thing now is people want separate bedrooms, don't they? And there's nothing wrong they with do. it. Absolutely not. It, you, you don't cut down on your cuddling time 
you just maximize your sleeping time. Right. And it, when somebody's wrestling around, moving, snoring, coughing, whatever they're doing in their sleep, it's disturbing your sleep. And so if you can be in another room and disgusting. actually get over it, <laughs> just get over the stigma well, of having separate bedrooms. Just, just, then going, just going back to Jackie dressed up like she's going to the moon. Um, she also <laughs> does something else when she goes to bed. She starts spraying magnesium on her feet. Um, so we can take food that's got magnesium in, but what about these yeah. sprays? For me, it really works. So the idea is that you spray a magnesium oil on the soles of your feet because it's thought that the pores in your soles of your feet are larger and the absorption into your body will be be greater. However, athletes spray it on their muscles, um, you know, for sports, and because uh, magnesium is stored in the muscles in the body. Uh, but I do it, and also in my sleep spray, my magnesium sleep spray, there's chamomile and lavender, so it's got this beautiful aroma, which is definitely relaxing. And maybe if scientifically it doesn't work, it 100% works uh, as a placebo effect even. And so I massage it into my feet, and that's very relaxing, and I always have some by my bedside. It's my little go-to thing. But just going back to an eye mask, I've got, I just actually got a new one, which covers nearly my whole face. (laughs) Uh, And it's made of this beautiful mulberry silk, but it doesn't allow any light in. And I had the best night's sleep with that. Um, And it's navy blue. You know, you can feel light through your skin. And in the UK, it's light at 4.30 in the summer. I'm not sure on different time zones it's different. But you start, that starts to kind of stimulate you know, your skin feel, can feel that and it starts to stimulate you and, and starts, you, you know, your waking up process. So having blackout blinds can be very helpful for some people. Some people can sleep anywhere, can sleep on a bench in the middle of, you know, yeah. some park in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> in the book, which is called Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa, when we covered sleep, one of the things we talked about is how the most Italians have shutters, whether they're in a city yeah. or whether they're in the countryside, have shutters yeah. on the outside mm. and the inside. So the shutters on the outside are if tend to be if you kind of go away, stops the, the sun coming in and, and damaging your furniture and stuff. But they will close. If you walk into any village at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when they're all taking their siesta, they're all shut. All shut. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and I we've got them here. And isn't it true? Every single person who walks in for breakfast on the first day, some of them very jet lagged. We have people from Australia, Canada, South Africa, and you go, how did you sleep? And they go, oh my God, great mattress. We have beautiful mattress yeah. made from wool and um, and shutters because that completely blocks the light. Now, if you, not California shutters. Which, no, not louvered shutters. These are solid shutters. These are They're solid bored. shutters. Exactly. I know they're probably much harder to get. Or as Jackie said, um, blackout blinds. You can get um, blackout, blackout blinds, which are really effective. I mean, I would, I have, I would have blackout blinds, my eye mask and my uh, ear thing. I'd, I'd have like everything. But um, I'm super sensitive. So I know that. But I, it really, and it takes me, you know, ages to settle down. I have to have everything in the right place. I try never to have my phone next to my bed in case I try and look at it in the night. But there were those little things that sort of help you get back to sleep. I'm a big, big fan of some diaphragm breathing in the night. If you wake up with night nudges and you're so concentrating on counting your breaths, so you, you forget what you were thinking about. Um, so breathing and it stimulates one of your cranial nerves, your vagus nerve. 
and that helps um, relax you. Especially if you wake up that three o'clock in the morning with the worries. And with monkey monkey mind, yeah. I love that they call it the vagus nerve because that's, you know, I know my vagus yeah. nerve is smoking and drinking until four o'clock in the morning. Right. Well, <laughs> on, on that note, not that vagus. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jackie, what about having, because I want to get into alcohol because we, it's really weird because we've had many, many questions about 50% about alcohol, but let's just start with alcohol and sleeping. So we all love a nice drink, you know, at night, whether it's social drink or a bottle of <laughs> I love the way you say that. We all love a <laughs> drink, a nice drink at night. So should you have a drink before, like two hours before bed or? I think if you can avoid it, uh, it's a good idea because uh, especially if wine, sugar, and then some people get that sort of sugar rush a couple of hours later, and that can mm. that can wake you up. Um, so, yeah, it's complicated with alcohol, isn't it? Okay, I think with alcohol, before, everything is Goldilocks. So too much, not good. You know, if you can get the right amount, it may help with sleep, but not, not everybody, and it's everyone is different. Um, you know, sometimes I've had a glass of wine, and I've had the best night's sleep ever. And other times, if you have three glasses of wine, you're woken up all night. So right. Possibly, so two is the right think, number. <laughs> should we go for two? We'll go for two. I think two sounds great. Yeah, I think it's hard to promote it, but and everyone's different. And if you know if you're getting disturbed night's sleep, and and then people are asking advice, should I do it or shouldn't I? I think everybody deep down inside, you know, if they're looking for permission to drink, um, I can't give them that. But you've just got to work out what's best. You. I think you have to listen to your body and listen to your and, and and observe your own patterns because I find for me, you know, if I drink too much, I have what I call a booze snooze, which is not yeah. a real sleep. It's just yeah. like a f- series of small naps that are disturbed yeah. by the cons- the consumption of alcohol. And I find, you know, I sleep through the night without having to go to the bathroom if I don't drink. But if I do drink, I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and that disturbs my sleep. Alcohol irritates your bladder. So yeah. um, we don't want it, that. it also irritates the person sitting next to you if you've had too much of it. <laughs> I just have that vision of Tommy when he, yeah. says he went to sleep, like spread-eagled on the lawn, fast asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Not your lawn, Debbie. Not yet. Oh, I've seen you. I've seen you. Uh, is that Tommy down there at four in the morning, surrounded by wild boar? Um, it's a chingali. It's a chingali. Now, the next question came by voice note, which is from Gloria V in Canada. She's very upset because... Apparently in Canada, they've changed um, the guidelines of how much alcohol you should drink. Listen to what she said. Hi, Tommy, Debbie and Jackie. Um, My question is recently in Canada, they changed the guidelines for alcohol consumption per week to uh, two glasses per week as what the maximum should be. I'm just curious, Jackie's take on that and um, what her thoughts are on alcohol and its effect on sleep and health. Thank you. So there are new laws in Canada which hit the British and the American papers because they have reduced it down now to two drinks a week. Prepare yourself now. When I say two drinks, I don't know about in Canada, but in the UK, when you offered a glass of wine in a pub, there are three measures. No wimp ever takes 
the little measure, the one unit, because it's like half an inch is the Italian way of serving a drink. <laughs> so one unit of, say, a small white wine is 1.5. Um, a, a unit of, say, scotch or gin or vodka is one and a beer is, is uh, 1.7. So when they're saying two glasses a week, it's basically wet your lips, to be honest. Now, I looked it up. So like, what is the point? You've had my gin and tonics. So yeah. in the UK, they're still saying 14 units a week. So there's yeah. a huge difference, but everybody's starting to talk. So this lady has said, She's really fed up with this. What should she do? And and when I read that, I, I honestly thought two glasses a week, I'd rather just not drink because, you know, what's the point when I make a drink? It's got 10 units in it already in one drink. Um, so, so, Jackie, what do you think? Oh, I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, 14 units is responsible drinking and it actually it's also the same for men in the uk it's 14 units i mm. thought it was going to be more um alcohol is detoxified by your liver so your liver your body thinks it's a kind of a poison you know my favorite poison but um <laughs> so for me what i like to do is have four or five days of not drinking and then would like to drink to, you know to have a lovely italian meal two glasses of red wine you know what is more relaxing, beneficial. I think, uh, you know, and I know you were doing your research and I had a little look and the World Health Organization is saying that there is no safe level for anybody. But really, there are people in the blue zones that have been drinking and even smoking for years and years, and they live to over 100 years old, healthily doing, you know, very well. I think it's probably when drinking becomes um, a problem. Or do we do we follow our own bodies and our own instincts? And just drink little, 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 little and often, but do we just drink twice a week and keep it for high days and holidays or socializing with friends? Or is it a problem when we just go for a glass of wine every night at six o'clock, come what may? And then maybe they're the times that you have to think, hang on a minute, do I need that glass of wine now? You know, is there something else I can have? Um, how are you getting on with my water, Kefir, Debbie? You- um, actually, I, uh, Jackie made me because I actually, apart from going to Florida to see another friend of ours who it is impossible not to have a very large gin and tonic with her. Um, but apart from that, <laughs> from the beginning of February, um, I, I haven't drunk and I am a very good drinker. So I'm not an alcoholic because <laughs> I know I can give up. But what I do is I, it's this treating. The trigger for me is the treat at the end of the day. Like, oh my God, wouldn't it be nice? Uh, it's a reward for you. Yeah. Yeah. So wouldn't it be um, lovely? It's a reward. Exactly, Tommy. It's mm-hmm. a it's a lovely thing. And it is a lovely thing to sit, you know, under the Tuscan sun and, and, and uh, or wherever you are and meet a friend and have a drink. But many years ago, Jackie got us off sugar and it literally took 21 days. I always had a teaspoon of sugar in tea. So what I found with this was I on my mirror... And if anybody wants to try this, it's really worked. On my mirror in my bathroom, which is what you look in every day to clean your teeth and get up in the morning and Mm. go to bed at night, I've put the weeks up. And I've never done this before. I've done it in diaries. I've done it. I'm now at 16 weeks. And I I have to say, I I can't bear the thought that I'll never do this again. I'll not go to a wedding or I'll not go to a party or, or 
or whatever celebration. Right. But my skin has never been better, never been better. But but the, the reason I stopped was I love to kind of, like Tommy said, a reward. You you put Netflix on, you, you, you pour a glass, you have your supper. Um, and it's like, well, I deserve this. But the reason I stopped was my knees really started to hurt last year very badly. And when you go and see a knee guy, a surgeon, they always say the same thing, always. Like, well, you know, when you're ready operation when we're and I really really do not have the time I cannot because I know with knees it's a long um mending whatever they call it recovery recovery and I I can't I live on a farm and I've got a puppy and you know I'm busy and, and steps everywhere so I thought well look why don't I try this because a friend said have you tried giving up booze and I said yeah Every Monday morning. Uh, and, and she said, no, really? On a Monday. Yeah. She said, really give it up for a while. And this was my drive. And you know what? The pain has gone away. It's Because that's the inflammation, isn't it? It's the inflammation. Yeah, sure. So it's it's finding that sweet spot. And I think if it's causing you issues like that, then for sure you've got to do that experiment, you know, for a month, give up drinking for a month. And if it solves a lot of things, you probably then know what your problem is. But it's trying to find something to replace it with that's um, that's satisfying. Yeah, yeah, I love that because when Jackie bought the water kefir, um, you know, it's bubbly and fizzy. It's a bit like a, a ginger beer. You know, it's got that kind of sense to it. Um, and it's quite healthy because it's a yeast, isn't it? So that becomes my treat. It's like, I guess if you smoke, and I'm not a smoker, but it's that picking up the cigarette, you know, opening the packet, lighting the match, putting it in your mouth. That's the kind of the habit. The habit. It's ritual. Yeah, it's going to the fridge, opening the bottle, pouring the wine, getting a friend on the Hearing phone, the pop. Hearing the pop. <laughs> so I thought, well, okay, I'll treat myself. It's not quite the same thing, but so maybe to a ginger beer, which is, I know is not particularly because it's sugar and it's like having a Coke or something, but I know I can only have one, whereas a glass of wine... I'm not very good with one. Debbie needs a pee, so we're going to be back in a minute. Hold that thought. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. So, Jackie, do you think it has a lot to do with, like, listening to your own reactions to things and paying attention and being aware of your own reactions to things? Because my, my dad had a friend, my father never, never drank, never took alcohol, total teetotaler. And he had a friend, Ron, who quit drinking later in life, like well into his 50s. And my dad used to tell the story that he called Ron one day a few weeks after Ron had quit drinking. And he said, Ron, how's the not drinking going? And Ron's response was, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's the first solid shit I've had in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. (laughs) And so Ron's body was reacting in one way. Debbie has knee problems. You know, I, for me, it's sleep. Is it different for everyone? I think everyone is different. Everyone's individual. We all have different DNA. We have different, um, uh, yeah. And, and people live in different cer- areas, circumstances, have different diets. Even though we live 
you know, Debbie and I spend a lot of time together. When I come back to the UK, I have a different diet from the one I have in Italy. And we're very lucky to have the most fantastic uh, chefs and uh, yes. people that look after us in Italy. And we have wonderful food that's been really carefully sourced and, and cooked for and made with love. And it's incredible. And, I, you know, that's wonderful. And we all have a little glass of wine, don't we? We don't have very much. But Debbie did so well not drinking because you knew the effect it would have on your knees. So, And I think we have to be truthful with ourselves and say, look, if it's affecting a part of my life, especially my health, then it's kind of got to go. Yeah. Uh, and some people feel absolutely fine. Yeah. And, but some people, you've got to admit to yourself if it's, if it's affecting any part of your life. You always talk about in your, your lectures is you really are your own warrior. So now we have a voice note from Arlene in Anguilla, who knows how to send a voice note, which is when you go into your Instagram messages, hit that little microphone instead of typing into the box. And just as a reminder, you can DM us or voice note us through our Instagram profile, which is the Trust Me Pod. Here is Arlene's question. Good morning. My question is for someone who is, let's say, a woman of a certain age, going through a certain change in life. Actually, I have gone through the change. Um, are there any things in particular I should be um, looking out for? Any foods that um, I know, like osteoporosis is an issue. I had a bone scan done. My bones are in, in great shape. But are there certain foods that women in our age range should have more of? Are there certain foods we should try to avoid? I can't wait to hear the podcast. Very excited. What kind of food, what she should be looking at for the change in her life? I guess menopausal, all those kind of things. Well, it's really a really varied diet. You know, the, sometimes when I talk, I say to people, How, write down a list of all the foods that you eat. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, like 10, 20, 25 different foods. There are thousands of different foods that we can eat. And it's kind of a cool thing to do to write lists of like, you know, 10 different purple vegetables, 10 different green ones, orange ones, and kind of tick, tick through to see that you're having such a variety. And the same with sources of protein. I know Tommy is a vegan, so, but you're very careful about the way you eat. So incorporate lots of protein and different plant proteins. But some people just stick to the same meat, same veg, you know, day in, day out. They don't have variety throughout the day. I would also always say, you know, kind of try not to start the day with anything sugary like croissant or breakfast cereal. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, who said you have to have cereal at breakfast? You know, Kellogg, Kellogg's. <laughs> so, you know, the variety at breakfast, you know, I'm, you know, if you eat eggs, have a couple of eggs and some mushrooms and some spinach, just this variety. And it kind of sets you up for the day without having too many carbohydrates. So, Especially when you're getting older, having too much, too much refined sugar isn't very advisable. That can cause inflammation. You know, I, I really believe in eating three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and an early dinner, you know, wh whatever kind of fits in with your lifestyle and try to eat three hours before you go to bed. Um, no snacking, but if you have to have a snack, an apple and some nuts or nut butter mid-afternoon, but, uh, you know, not a bar of chocolate or a muffin or a and that's kind of hard to adjust to because we're kind of, you know, you walk past in a store or a checkout and you, it's so easy to grab a chocolate bar and just think, oh, I just have the one. 
And before you know it, that's becoming a habit. And it's just resisting those sugary treats on a regular basis. Um, not cutting them out forever, but having them at appropriate times, not just making it a, a habit that you, you need to do is just a matter of course, just so oh, I'll just I bolster my energy with a chocolate bar. You know, long term, that's not going to give you real energy. You need to be eating properly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Jackie, so when you get older, so let's say you're over 40, because a lot of the women who come here, you know, you're teaching optimum health, you know, without having to label everything you can't. Yeah. Eat, you, you know, I hate saying you can't have something because, you know, that, that would just be sort of too too depressing and boring, but variety. And there's so many delicious foods that are really healthy and really good for you. And, you know, when people say, well, what should I be eating? It's just this variety, you know, sweet potatoes, all sorts of different types of potatoes are available these days. I'm actually sitting in my greenhouse uh, because various reasons, but I'm, I'm growing like four or five different types of veg, uh, lettuces. I'm growing cucumbers. Not everyone has the luxury of being able to grow their own food, but it really does make make you appreciate how food is grown and where it comes from and being a little more aware of, of what you're putting inside your body. And we stack all kinds of things. Well, we spend a fortune on our face cream, don't we? So most, most girls and maybe you, Tommy, and, you know, you have my face cream. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so we need to really, the quality of our food is really important. And that's why there's a massive movement about n- avoiding ultra-processed food or even processed food. Eating food as close to its natural origins possible. So I love nothing more when I'm at yours, Debbie, going down to the auto and picking tomatoes and cucumbers and all the things you grow there. And for those that don't have a greenhouse, um, you know, sprouting is a wonderful way to add more nutrition into your diet. So and you, everyone can sprout on your windowsill. You need a windowsill, don't you? You need a window. Yeah, just a windowsill. Yeah. So. When somebody says, what should I be eating? It's variety, not having processed foods. Uh, and I, I know people that think they have this great diet. And I see them with a, a can of um, Coca-Cola in their hand. I'm going, what? <laughs> Why? Why? You know, you can have, you know, soda water, the squeeze of lime in. You know, you can have, um, there are so many alternatives. If you think, if you, if you give it thought and you prepare your, you keep all the foods in your fridge and your larder, you know, lentils, pulses. Always have this like toolbox of foods that you can make a meal in 10 minutes. You know, you can throw a curry together in 10 minutes, mm. some quinoa cooked. You know, there are so many things that you can do to avoid eating processed foods or fast food. Or When you talk about costs, so the Tuscan diet. So we did this book so that people who couldn't come here or um, people – would come here and within a week were feeling fantastic. But they said, well, mm-hmm. how do I bottle this? How do I bring this home? But you have to remember the Tuscan diet is, is a very... It's a very simple diet, but it, it's it's a poor diet. It's a poor. These were poor, poor people during the medieval times and on and on. So it's called Cucina Povera. We, we, we're something like that anyway. Uh, anyway, so it's 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 a poor man's diet, and basically. I mean, the other night we went to a dinner party and the wisteria has, you would have loved this, Jackie, that the wisteria has just finished, right? It's just, it's over. We had, uh, you know, here they eat fried zucchini flowers. We had the same thing with the wisteria. No. It was 
just amazing. amazing. I mean, it was just maybe the fun of it. So also, what's the one that this looks like? Um, elderberry, is it? Oh, yeah. Well, elderflower yeah. makes a beautiful fried yeah. uh, pudding. Just dipped in, yeah. Some of them were the size of a uh, side plate. They were battered and everything. And then they did the same thing with the wisteria. So, I mean, people were, what a fun thing to do. Costs absolutely nothing, you know, to do it. Um, So obviously make sure that any wild flowers or wild um, herbs or... Make sure you exactly know what you're picking, yeah. But this was a poor man's diet. So here they eat a lot of chechi, which is um, chickpeas, and they use chickpeas in you know, chickpea soups, to, you know, in everything, and beans. They're known, we have a chapter in the book called calling them bean people because beans um, was something that got them through the winter. They could be dried. Yeah. And, and they could, exactly. well, you eat loads of beans, don't you, Tommy? I do. I mean, it's uh, one of the major ways that vegans get protein. Mm. But I think it's also worth revisiting Jackie's comment about awareness in the grocery store. For anybody who lives in any city, whether it's New York or Toronto or London or any urban center, or even in places that are food deserts, I think sometimes it's about breaking out of your habits. And I'll tell you a little story. I was in the organic food store the other day, and this woman was ahead of me in the queue to cash out. She was probably in her 80s, but she was really fit looking and really moved well. And I thought, I even thought to myself while I was standing in the queue, wow, she, she's really spry. And she turned to me, I was next after her, and she turned to me and she said, you know what? I've bought too many leeks. And she took this <laughs> leek and she slammed it into my palm of my hand and said, take this and make something delicious with it. And I said, oh, oh I think you. she was trying to pick you up. <laughs> but here's the thing. I thought, I thought to myself, here's the thing. First thing I thought was, I don't buy leeks. And I should. And the second thing I thought was, if this bitch looks this good at this age and she's eating leeks, bring on the leeks. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. What I thought leeks, they're my basic, they're the easiest thing, 12 months of the year yeah. to cook. They go in everything. I mean, I just wasn't in the habit of purchasing them. And and, and so, you know what I did? I went home and I looked up a recipe for leek and mushroom pie. And I made mm. this incredibly delicious leek and mushroom pie that was super healthy, really healthy ingredients. And it was delicious. And now I make it all the time. And it was simply the suggestion of this other person who shops differently than I, that maybe a leek would be a good idea and not on my list normally. I loved it. I thought I loved the experience. I uh, think it's that, um, especially when we're in Italy, I, for example, when we were all together, Debbie bought a vegetable. Which, and the name escapes me at the moment, but it kind of resembled grass. Oh yes, remember the grass? It was so good when you made grass. Yeah, and then we we looked and um, we looked it up, and then they just um, sauté it with some olive oil, some garlic, squeeze of lemon, pepper, and salt, and then it's this delicious thing. I'd never really, I've never come across it before. Ever. I've never had it. And it's sold in the market yeah. like clumps of hair, isn't it? They put yeah. a elastic around the amazing. bottom. And it's kind of slightly seaweedy. It, it's, I don't know what it's called either. I'll try and remember and we'll put it up on the website. But It's called grass. I think it's just grass. We called it grass. We called it grass. But it's so delicious. And, you know, it's what's strange here is when you go to a restaurant – 
they don't seem to have a lot of vegetables, but the vegetables are in the meat, are in the food. Whereas we eat a vegetable as a kind of, you know, we have the plate of meat, the plate of vegetables, the plate of potatoes, you know, it's mm. within, just like when you have a curry or Thai food, the vegetables are the part of the, the, the composition of it. So we often get uh, guests saying, oh, can we get some vegetables? Well, you just had a mushroom pie as a starter, and then you had a, a, a souffle with a, asparagus. And then you, so it's how they cook them. And, and, and I think with vegetables, as you say, they are such an array of color and, and goodness and, and different flavor. And herbs. Yeah, using lots of different herbs. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a way of experimenting. And, and the great thing now, there's, you know, farmers in all countries are getting better. Now, the other thing is that here they eat in season. So, and that's a very strict thing to the extent where we kind of go crazy. It's quite hard to get mushrooms now until the fall. You know, they, it's all asparagus season now, fava beans, the, you know, the like broad bean, peas, yeah. and then it's going to be green beans. And then it's going to be yummy, shredded yummy. zucchini, which invades everything. And it's zucchini for a month. And it's like, if I eat another zucchini. But there are so many things you can do with it, yeah. I know. And that's how our pe- that's how our grandparents ate. So the Tuscan diet is very similar um the 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 formula of it as as kind of it, whichever country you're in how they lived in the countryside. So they ate it so stews in the winter. Yeah, it can get a bit boring, but there's more goodness in those parsnips and things that have come locally from a local farm than I guess, you know, sitting on a truck from somewhere. When you, when you walk along uh, through the gardens um, at Debbie and Hans's home at Villa Reniella, it's really funny actually, because you'll say like, oh, this is a very attractive shrub. And Debbie will say, yeah, we eat that. And then you'll say, oh, this is a beautiful <laughs> yeah. hedge. Yes, we eat that too. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> every, all the plants in Debbie's landscaping are consumed by <laughs> you were like we're like horses cats. we just eat everything but when we first came here um we used to see people in the hedgerows and 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 you know in the fields you know bent over you know bloomers and big skirts and the women picking this and that so you know we thought oh poor things they've got no money you know they're they're foraging in the but they're not it's better quality it's you know it's just sprung up that morning, uh, you know, mm. wild garlic. We had black garlic. Have you ever had black garlic, Jackie? Yeah, I have, yeah. I have too. Oh, amazing. We had that the other night. So they're foraging and that's what uh, this dinner, they, okay, wisteria's over rather than brushing them up, let's eat them. And, and so there are foraging clubs now all over the world in the middle of cities. I'm sure, Tommy, in the middle yes. of downtown Toronto, you could Absolutely. go and walk along the 401. <laughs> or and, the Don Valley. Yes, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, as long as you go with an expert, it's a wonderful Sunday. Yeah. You meet a friend and yeah. Safety first. Yeah. At any time of the year, there's nearly always something you can eat in a, even a normal garden. I follow quite a few foragers and it's just fascinating. And we had an amazing dinner in Tuscany that was based on foraging. It was just um just fantastic. It was like a gourmet meal, wasn't it? Just seven it was, courses. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so on that note, this came in by email, and I thought we should finish on this one. Now we have a question from Alice in Australia. She says, I absolutely love chocolate. Is it bad for me? I always think chocolate's like its own personal food group. You know, I love chocolate. Mm. But of course, there's better chocolate that is better for you. I mean, my favorite is to eat a couple of squares of 80 or 90% chocolate, and it completely satiates your 
longy and lush, the, like the milky, sugary kind. So the the, the sugar, the the, sh- the chocolate with a lot of sugar in clearly isn't the best. And sometimes a lot of people can't eat chocolate before they go to bed because it can keep in the weight. Okay, so for the last question, I think something that we all want to know about, um, this is from Alice in Australia, and she wrote in and said, I love chocolate. Is it bad for me? And in the book, Jackie, you say chocolate is a double-edged sword. It is. So chocolate, I think another Goldilocks thing. Too much is definitely bad for you. Yeah, everyone needs a little chocolate in their life. So I would say I always buy like 90% pure chocolate from a really sustainable good source, mm-hmm. fair trade chocolate. Uh, buying the chocolate that's got loads of milk and sugar and cream and other things in is not ideal. And also have the chocolate at the end of the meal. It, you really feel satiated and it also won't spike your blood sugar because you've already had all your protein and your other food and your vegetables. So have those two little squares of chocolate. You won't want any more if it's 90%. Um, and occasionally, you know, if splurge on some chocolate, but make it um, not a reward, just, you know, because I hate saying food is a reward, but have it, yeah, have it with friends. We used to buy some amazing chocolate in Italy and they have it with red wine there which is an unusual combination, but just a tiny bit, little like slithers of it. Just a hit of it. I Just a hit. Just treasure it. Yeah. You don't need to be eating a whole great big chocolate bar ever. I was so, sort of but these two little squares. It, yeah. um, like best practices regarding chocolate when I became vegan, because only dark chocolate that's like 70 to 90% is vegan yeah. because it doesn't contain yeah. the dairy elements. Um, Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, and, and then I found because the, the stronger the dark chocolate is, the more intense it is flavor-wise. Yeah. You don't want as much. You just want two squares. Exactly. You just want the two squares mm. and it's delicious. I've even had one that I absolutely love and it's infused with chili. Oh, I've had And that. it really gives you, yeah, it gives you this wonderful flavor in your mouth and it's just delicious and you just want those two squares. So chocolate in moderation and the best quality you can um, you can afford, I, I would is there any goodness in chocolate, like apart from loving it? There's a, they say because chocolate's fermented, so you want to say, oh, it's fermented food. It, yeah, you know, <laughs> the really good chocolate. <laughs> so is wine. Yeah, it's not like eating a bowl of kimchi or sauerkraut. So um, it's 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 good. It's 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 something I'm really, uh, I definitely have in my diet. I always have a little bar of chocolate uh, hanging around to have after food if I'm in the mood, but. But it's not something I would sit and eat a bar of chocolate in the car or I wouldn't eat cookies. Um, so I'm just trying to cut sugar out of my life slowly, gradually. It's not an overnight process. Anything is not an overnight process. You can't suddenly go from having sugar and chocolate every day to like having none. So just gradually wind it down. It's like just when you're in the mood. Yeah. And then you're in the mood. It's like any of these habits that we're trying to change. Sometimes overnight going cold turkey is not the best way. Uh, unless you're the kind of personality that you have to do it like that. But um, for us, you know, with Debbie giving up sugar, I never thought I'd see that. She used to try and sneak honey into her tea. And I go, still sugar, and I can see you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, Right, we'll all, we'll all do it slowly and gradually and get there. Jackie, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm always in the mood for some Jackie Brown. And so, Jackie, please... Will you join us again? Be delighted. There's so much to discuss. 
And we would love to have you as a regular guest on this podcast because uh, we're so fond of you and you have so much to offer in terms of information to our listeners. Oh, thank you so much for your kind words, uh, as you both do as well. Great inspirations. So thank you so much. I'm off to eat a burger now and a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. not. Thanks, Jackie. See you soon. All right. Love thank you, love. Jackie. Love you. Bye. 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 You know, I had such an incredible time this past retreat with Jackie and all the women. I really do have to say, Debbie, how much I really enjoy it. Really love it. Well, you're, you're funny. You're very like my husband. He really he's not a hockey type of guy. He loves hanging out with women. You know, I mean, he loves to sit and listen to our conversations. And I, I did say to you during the week, because it's a, you know, it's a full on week. Tommy, you don't have to sit in every workshop. And Tommy was like, no, you know, I love it. I love, I love all these stories. And these women are so amazing. And they've all got you know, things happen to them and, and it's wonderful until Jackie said, okay, next workshop is about the pelvic floor. <laughs> I have never in my life seen a man move quite so quickly. I think I'll skip this one and get a gin and tonic. <laughs> I had my pelvic floor tiled years ago. Um, or maybe the bottom fell out of my pelvic floor. Do I even have a pelvic floor? I don't know. And I didn't find out. I did actually go for that gin and tonic. Thank you very much for the gin and tonic. You had it tiled. Oh my God, that's hilarious. When you're wearing that diaper in 10 years' time, you're going to say to yourself, I should have gone to that workshop. But anyway, that was a lot of fun. Thank you to Jackie Brown. And uh, we will see you next time on Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Yes, and get all the information on Jackie and much more in the episode notes. And don't forget to visit us and send us your voice note questions for upcoming episodes of Trust Me, I'm a Decorator on our Instagram account at the Trust Me Pod. Thanks for listening. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network. Thank you.